It is Congressman Frank Lucas with us here. Congressman, how are you, my friend? Hello, Andy. It's good to be with you. And there's so much stuff going on since we last visited, both at home and around the world. It's well, it just never stops. It never stops, and it's very frustrating. I mean, so many individuals now, I mean, we're dealing with 8.5% inflation rates. We're dealing with near $4 gallons of gas. We're still dealing with a conflict with Russia and the Ukraine where the Biden administration doesn't seem to want to put harsh sanctions on, and even the ones that we have don't even take effect for another month or two, which I don't quite understand why. We're in a, uh, we're going into a food shortage now, it seems like, in some parts of the world where we could see prices skyrocket here in the country or even just food disappear on the shelves. Congressman, it seems like we're in a year of uh, some potential hurt coming up. Oh, it's going to be a wild couple of years, Andy. When you look at the amount of food that the Ukrainians raise, they produce about 10% of the wheat that goes into the world export market. They produce on any given year around 11, 12% of the feed grains, think corn, think barley, that kind of stuff that goes into the world of the world export market. It's not that we're going to be short on wheat or corn or beef or pork here in the United States, but because the Ukrainians are such a big part of the world export market on the other side of the planet, with the Russians having invaded them, I mean, Putin basically saying, I want to wipe out the Ukrainian government. I want to wipe out the Ukrainian military. I want to take away the Ukrainian identity. I want to force everybody to become a Russian. Part of that is not just the misery that is brought down on the Ukrainian people. It is disrupting a very productive agriculture. So when they can't put their wheat in the ground this spring, when they can't plant their corn, it won't it won't it won't cause a shortage in the United States, but it means if you're buying flour in Egypt or Eastern Europe or the Middle East or in certain parts of Asia, if you're buying corn, other feed grains to feed your hogs, to feed your chickens, suddenly that's not going to be there and it's going to drive up world prices. So consumers are going to pay more in the United States as around the world because of Putin's invasion. Now, I need to also discuss Andy. There will be those who say, well, farmers are going to do really well. Well, it depends on how you define really well. The Russians, for about 20 years, have aggressively sold fertilizer into the world markets because they have lots of natural gas. Uh, They have old-style systems that aren't efficient, but they don't cost a lot to maintain. And they basically, by predatory pricing, pushed a lot of fertilizer manufacturing places like Canada and the United States into being mothballed. So just as the Russians are disrupting the food supplies on the other side of the planet by their actions and the rest of the world boycotting the Russians, that's taking fertilizer off the market that we've become accustomed to. So it's going to take a few months or six months or nine months before we get production back up. So fertilizer prices are going to explode. Any farmer, any rancher who's bought diesel lately or trucker knows how much diesel's gone up. So our input costs are going up dramatically. And in my part of the world, Mother Nature is not cooperating. So it doesn't matter how high-priced wheat is. If you don't have anything to cut, if you can't sell something, it's not helping you, Andy. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. There is a lot of input cost problems that we have, not only with the gas and the diesel, but with the fertilizer. Now, we're going into planting season right now, though, for many of the farmers that are prepping their fields that are getting ready for the springtime planting. What do they do about the fertilizer? Can they get it? Is it just more expensive right now? Or are we trying to find like home remedies right now just to deal? Supplies exist, but the prices accelerated dramatically. Last summer, when Linda and I bought 4600 nitrogen, we paid about $450 a ton to put on our improved grasses. When Linda and I sowed wheat 
in October. We got enough rain to sow in my home county on our farm. It came up, and then it didn't rain again until probably three weeks ago we got two inches of rain. So we didn't have enough moisture over the winter to buy any fertilizer after I put the wheat ground or to top dress in the spring. So I haven't bought any, but my understanding the last time when it rained a little bit and I got really optimistic and went to the to the elevator, the fertilizer I was paying $450 for last summer, what they had on hand, they quoted me at $1,080. Now that was what they had on hand, and they weren't sure what the next fertilizer is going to be. So I'm not sure what nitrogen will cost if you're in a part of the district where you've had enough rain though you should have had your nitrogen on your wheat already, or if you're getting ready for cotton or milo, grain sorghum as we call it in the modern world, or uh, corn, I'm not sure what that's going to cost. Uh, and yes, there's going to be some supply shortages, but this this is making it more difficult for farmers and ranchers to do their job, and it's going to cost the consumer on the other end more. Again, thank you, Mr. Putin, for using your dictatorship in Russia to go bludgeon your neighbors uh, uh, in the Ukraine. And by the way, we are trying to help the Ukrainians. Yeah. Congress and the administration have banned the importation of Russian oil and natural gas and coal in the United States. And you'll say, Andy, why were we importing Russian oil to start with? Well, that's a fair question. Yeah. But as I can best determine, there are basically three states where the refineries have been buying Russian oil. In Massachusetts, Washington State, California. You know what the common thread there is, Andy? Places where they've been opposed to drilling, places where they've been opposed to building pipelines to move product, places where they've been opposed to improving or building new refineries. So they chose to buy Russian oil because that way they didn't have to have any infrastructure, they didn't have to drill, they didn't have to support these other actions that produce more domestic energy, but it's gotten them in a position now since we've stopped buying Russian oil, which probably shouldn't have been buying in the first place. That's why gasoline's exploded in Massachusetts price-wise, Washington State and California. Do you know the old line about cut off your nose to spite your face? <laughs> well, our friends on the coast did a real fine job of whacking themselves. Yeah, and they feel like they can wash their hands of it because they're not drilling it, so therefore everything's fine. It's it's unbelievable that, that we're allowing this mindset, and then we finally cut it off. Now we have this gas prices skyrocketing over the place, which this ties into the agriculture side as well. We just got word this last week of the Biden administration allowing the E15 with the ethanol during the summertime, which is going to supposedly help lower some of the gas prices. But with a shortage of grains because of what's going on in Ukraine, is that going to overstrain the system already of corn that we're already going to have a global shortage of already and then try and take more of it off of the food market to put into ethanol? I mean, why are we, why are we already straining an already strained system here? Uh, the Biden administration, Andy, is flailing about trying to come up with some way to be able to say they're doing something about the price of energy. But if you go back from the very beginning there, whether you want to call it the New Green Deal or the Green Agenda or whatever you want to call it, their proposal was to let prices go up by restricting production of, of oil in the United States, which means then less gasoline and diesel can be made from product in the United States. You drive up the price, you'd force people to consume less. That was how they were going to address the environment. They were going to use prices to compel people to spend less, I will acknowledge I don't think they could have guessed that uh, Mr. Putin would invade his neighbors in Ukraine, but it is set off this gyration now where prices have exploded, especially on the coast. 
And on first blush, I know the idealistic enviros will say, well, you know, you can just drive less. <laughs> but in the part of the world that we're talking to today, you've got to have fuel to go to work. You've got to have fuel to get your kids to school. You've got to have fuel to get to the grocery store. You've got to have fuel for the tractor. You've got to have fuel for the long-haul trucks. You've got to have energy in order to make the economy work. And now they've triggered all of this. The statistics that are coming out about the inflation rate, I mean, the most recent numbers I've seen, inflation in the cost of doing, or you can say the value of your money going down, whichever you prefer, 8.5% over the past year. That's the highest number uh, since December of 1981. Yeah. Gasoline across the country is above $4, and if you're in certain places, I'm told it may be $6. Uh, groceries are up 10% statistically. Uh, the price of feed, 21%. Thinking about those uh, those those uh, feed grain market issues in the Ukraine, uh, the Biden folks literally have outsmarted themselves by trying to create artificial shortages to run up prices to make people buy less. And then you have this war that produces what's available. Now, in the last few days, the Biden administration said, well, maybe we need to drill some more public land. When for a year and a half, they wouldn't let leases that have already been let be used. Uh, the ethanol thing is just a way to say we're going to put more supply on the market. But again, there's already a demand for all the corn that's being produced in the United States. Uh, they've boxed themselves in pretty tight, but it's all self-inflicted. Yeah, Republicans didn't do this to them. It's self-inflicted. Talking with Congresswoman Frank Lucas from the 3rd Congressional District from the state of Oklahoma. The inflation rates right now, the supply chain issues, which, by the way, are the supply chain issues getting better? They blamed it on COVID for the last year or so under the Biden administration, although we didn't see that until the Biden administration took effect. But trying to get things transported, trying to get things exported outside of the whole Black Sea ports in the Ukrainian-Russian region, are supply chains getting better and getting caught back up with imports and exports on different goods? I think we're doing better. Okay. And as the COVID issue continues to wind down and people are going back to work, remember there was a huge amount of supplemental aid passed to help people in the short term. That's expiring. Uh, we all have to go back to work. That's important for the economy. It's important for our families. I would argue it's important for our self-esteem. Yeah. I mean, it's just important that we get the economy going again. Now, there would be those who would argue that the regulatory policies of the Biden administration, putting aggressive people in at the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, putting aggressive people in at the Securities and Exchange Commission, for instance, all people who folks who do business in this country have to deal with, they're making it harder to do business. Now, they may want us all to do business their way, but it's not looking like that's in the economic best interest of the country or or our fellow Americans who are trying to make a living and survive there. Regarding some of the the energy production, the the high gas prices that we are dealing with uh, on top of the inflation just overall in the nation right now, their big push obviously has been well, just buy an electric vehicle. It's well, why not? Why can't you just buy a fifty, sixty thousand dollar electric vehicle right now? Because that's going to stop us from needing to drill oil. I mean, Pete Buttigieg just said a couple of weeks ago that drilling in the U.S. domestically is something they don't want to do because they think that it's a permanent solution to a temporary issue and they don't want to go back down the road of drilling domestically. So you're saying now they're starting to change their mind slowly just because of the desperation state that they're in, especially going into a midterm election. Oh, Andy, the 
the midterm elections putting huge pressure on them, yeah. and this electrical vehicle stuff. Now, let's think for a moment. <laughs> you have to have batteries. If you're going to make millions and millions or tens of millions of electric pickups, cars, you've got to have the material to make the batteries. A lot of that stuff comes out of China and Russia and very hostile places to us. So the capacity to produce enough batteries is in question. But let's pretend for a moment they could build enough batteries. You build all of these vehicles. They all have to be charged up every day or every other day. Right now, in the summertime, when it gets really hot, or in the wintertime, when it gets really, really cold, the electrical generation system in the United States and the grid, the power lines that move the power around, just barely are able to cover the demand. Throw on 5 or 10 million or 15 million electric cars on top of that, sucking power out of the plug-ins. Yep. Oh, my goodness. Well, we saw that Where last are we going year? to get the electricity? And remember, they don't like atomic power. They don't want any more hydropower. They don't like electricity generated by natural gas. They've basically cut off all new coal uh, power generation. So where are we going to get the electricity from, Andy? That's, that's the thing that gets to me. If they want to do all of these new alternative super green things, tell me, how in the world are people going to be able to afford it and be able to survive yeah. this process. And it, 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 it just... Yeah, yeah. We, saw, we saw the perfect example of that last year during the uh, extreme negative 20, negative 30 degree temperatures in February yeah. when we saw the grid shut down from Texas all the way to the Dakotas and we had to start rationing. We had some blackouts and brownouts yeah. because the grid couldn't handle people pumping in heat with that extreme cold. If that's an issue, you're right. How are we going to put in 6, 10 million new electric vehicles and expect the grid to hold? And if the administration wants to do electric vehicles, then they have immediately, if they want to do it in the magnitude of the way they're saying, and by the way, I believe in the market, you should let consumers decide what piece of equipment works best in their family or in their household. There's a lot of us who live in the country that you will never replace a combustion engine. Maybe the folks closer to the urban areas, close to work, Maybe they can do the electric stuff, but let people and the market decide where the resources goes. But if they're going to do the electric vehicles, Andy, they've got to focus on more power generation. They've got to focus on upgrading the grid. Remember, I mentioned the folks in Massachusetts and Washington State and California who didn't want oil wells drilled anywhere in the United States. They didn't want any pipelines laid. They didn't want any new refineries. They didn't want any increase in capacity. So what was their answer? Let's buy oil from the Russians. And I promise you, an oil well in Russia is a dramatically dirtier experience than an oil well that's drilled in the United States under state supervision uh, and the federal government supervision. I promise you it's dramatically cleaner here. But they've now seen the cost of their fuel explode because they didn't want to think about the future. They didn't want to think about all the details. They wanted to be superficial. Uh, I, I don't know how the administration gets out of the box they put themselves in. I don't mind the fact that they box themselves in, but I don't want them boxing us in with them. Exactly. Exactly. Last question before we let you go is Congressman Frank Lucas from the 3rd District of Oklahoma. Let's shift gears for a minute here and talk about the Farm Bill. I know it's been in the news. You guys are still discussing it in committees, uh, dealing with uh, some of the details of this bill. How is that process going, and uh, what's the latest that you've heard? The Ag Committee has had a limited number of hearings. The Farm Bill that we're working under now technically runs through the first day of October 
2023. And at that point, if it's not renewed or we don't write a new farm bill, it begins to expire. But it's not all in one day. It's crop commodity by crop commodity, cycle by cycle. What I predict is uh, once we have the November elections, you'll have, I think, a new majority in the House. Uh, my side of the room will be in control of the committee. We will begin a series of hearings looking at what's worked, what maybe didn't work the way we would expect it in a 2018 Farm Bill, what changes need to be made, take input from the countryside. We'll go so many months of listening, listening, and listening. Then we'll take the, tw nah, the 2018 Farm Bill and match up what people have told us with what current law says, and then that's when we begin to tweak or amend or adjust, or as they say in Congress, mark up the bill in committee, sure. and we'll go from there. Will it be done completely by the first day of October 2023? Well, historically, the odds are maybe not, but if it's not done by October 1, you'll see an extension of the present Farm Bill. But I am hopeful, I am hopeful that as well as the Farm Bill we're working under now has worked, with some adjustments, but not a dramatic rewrite, we can get our work done, get something to the president's desk by October 1. Some would say, well, well, what if you have a Republican House, a Democrat Senate, you'll certainly have a Democrat president. When I wrote the Farm Bill as chairman of the Ag Committee in 2014, I had a Republican House, a Democrat Senate majority, a Democrat White House. We still got it done. We had to work harder, sure, a lot harder, but we got it done. We'll get this done. Well, that is good, and, and that is encouraging. What bothers me is that especially when Democrats are heading up one of the committees or the other, they always seem to use and utilize and take advantage of a farm bill to try and throw in as many social program garbage as as opposed to focusing on the agricultural community, focused on farmers, focusing on the crop insurance, focused on what needs to be focused on. It's their opportunity of, oh, hey, let's throw in a new social program to give away goodies, and it drives me nuts that they abuse the system that's really meant to help agricultural leaders. You've just summed up what the next farm bill battle will all be about. And last time and the time before, but we've got to fight it because if America is not able to raise the food and fiber to take care of ourselves and sell our surplus into the world market, notice I said sell, sell our surplus into the world market, yeah. then there's going to be a lot of hungry people around the world, and Americans will have to pay more. That doesn't have to be. We just have to, once again, methodically, thoroughly, thoughtfully, take present Farm Bill policy and try and make it better where it needs to be made better. It is a work in progress, and we always appreciate what you guys do on this, trying to fight the best that you possibly can. I know it's like banging your head against the wall at times. We appreciate you guys continuously fighting that good fight. It's Congressman Frank Lucas from the 3rd District of Oklahoma. Congressman, we always appreciate the time very much, my friend. Keep up the fight. We'd love to talk to you again here real soon. We'll visit again soon. Thank you, Andy.